My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. In today's episode, I am joined by Tim Rodolfi, who is the CEO at MetaMe Health. We discuss how gut-directed hypnotherapy can make a positive impact on patients with gastrointestinal disorders like inflammatory bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome. But even if you haven't had a diagnosis of digestive issues, it's still really powerful to understand the science between how our body responds positively when we focus on our mental health. And to have a tool such as hypnotherapy, and in addition to that, there are other modalities like meditation and breath work that can positively influence the way that our body is able to digest absorb, and assimilate the nutrients that we receive from food. So tune into today's episode, and hopefully you'll learn a lot about how powerful our mental health can be and the tools that we can use to leverage our mental health to optimize our gut health. You know, by way of background, Aaron, I'm I'm actually a 30-year pharmaceutical veteran. So I've, I've spent a career helping develop and sell drugs to treat multiple conditions. About half of the the, ther- the drugs in the therapeutic areas that I've been involved in were in gastrointestinal conditions, going all the way back to early 2000 um, when, when I first got involved um, in the area of GERD or gastroesophageal reflux disease, but then in 2004, irritable bowel syndrome and in 2008, inflammatory bowel disease. And, and I really enjoyed working in the space um, but then along about 2018, I met the actual founder of MetaMe Health, Danny Bernstein. And Danny is a patient. Um, Danny has suffered from irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory bowel disease his whole life. And it's been treated at Northwestern University by some of the best physicians in those respective areas. Um, and it's there that he learned about the use of behavioral treatment for functional GI conditions like irritable bowel syndrome and specifically gut-directed hypnotherapy. But he's not been in the space in in terms of the healthcare ecosystem. He didn't really, he had an idea, but didn't really know what to do with it. And and when we met, um, I I, I said, Danny, your idea is is brilliant. Um, This entire patient population, as you had mentioned earlier, Aaron, suffers um, even though they're being treated with multiple drug therapies, and there's a place for this in the healthcare system. And if we can develop a piece of software that makes it easier for patients to access this type of therapy, I think patients, physicians, payers, everybody are going to be uh, you know, interested in it. And that was 2018 when we started, and, and here we are today. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. So quite the history you have in, in all different types of GI conditions would love to hear if you have any, I don't know, like big takeaways about anything that was very successful for you in the pharmaceutical industry that you noticed. You know, what I, what I definitely learned, particularly with this, this patient population, is they really, um, and, and that's probably not untrue in many populations, but they really do look toward their physicians. And what we learned was 
how long of a journey it took these patients, you know, to to work through this the healthcare system and how frustrating it was um, for them to finally find a physician to properly diagnose them. And when they did, you know, that relationship, that bond is very, very important. So although as, as pharmaceutical manufacturers, we had the ability legally to promote to patients, direct to consumer advertising, things like that. But it, it, it that does not work unless the physician really understands uh, the product population, the product that you're talking about, the, the appropriate patient for it to be used in, and that relationship between those two. You, 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 you can't underestimate the power of that relationship. Sure, absolutely. And I mean, not to brag about dietitians, but I will, right, is that, you know, we are part of that puzzle. And when you find a, you know, a good physician who's going to say, hey, you know, you've got digestive issues, or we could take it even further and say, you've got, you know, chronic pain or this or that, you know, the the power of diet and, and taking a holistic approach to anyone's treatment can be very important. So I think the the dietary side, you know, we're kind of really making way where people are starting to know there is a connection to pretty much any sort of chronic disease, that diet is a tool for them. What I think is maybe less discussed, but becoming more popular, at least in, you know, the the population that I'm treating is this idea that mental health is another powerful full tool. And to be quite honest, in my practice, I see it to be a major part of the root cause for a lot of functional gastrointestinal disorders. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, there have been multiple articles recently published in the medical literature speaking to your point about uh, really integrated care, meaning it's not just the physician seeing the patient and prescribing a drug or any therapy, but the physician working in tandem with the nutritionist, with the mental health provider, uh, with the social provider, everybody working as a team, an integrated team to really understand the patient situation um, and, and deliver the best therapy. And so many times you're right, nutrition is at the core of it. There is no doubt about that. Yeah, excellent. So let's dive into the discussion of the gut-brain connection just kind of understanding for the listeners how stress impacts the gut and vice versa. And, you know, I can speak to some research in here as well. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when I speak um, about GI conditions and and irritable bowel syndrome and and describe it as a disconnect, its core defect is this disconnect in the brain gut axis. It generally gets an eyebrow raise. Well, wait a minute. It's a GI issue. There's something wrong with the gut. No, not at all. Um, in in total, it's it's this disconnect between the central nervous system and the enteric nervous system in the lining of the gut that, that aren't communicating well together, right? Um, and, and typically in this case, you've got a hypervigilant enteric nervous system that that sends signals to the brain that for normal um Normal digestion, for example, um, would, would would be amplified, and and then the CNS takes that signal and can't really downregulate that signal, um, and then you get these cascading reactions in the body that cause the problems that come along with with um, with with irritable bowel syndrome. So it it's really is this brain gut connection, and I analogy I try to use sometimes to help people understand it 
is your watch. If you're wearing a watch today, you can be assured that your epithelial cells, your skin cells, and your hair on your arm are sending signals to your brain saying, hey, something's on you. You need to, you need to be careful and watch out for what's on your wrist there. But your brain has figured out already in context that it's just a watch. Forget it. So much so that you don't even recognize you're wearing a watch anymore. Um, that's what normal digestion would be like um, in, in terms of the enteric nervous system, the gut sending a signal saying, oh, I feel a bump. I feel, I feel something moving through my, my, my colon. But your brain understands the signal and says, don't even worry about it. And so you don't feel your digestion. IBS patients, that gets broken. Um, and they're constantly feeling that watch on their on their arm, and it's actually causing them pain. Um, that's what's going on in IBS in this brain-gut disconnect. Sure. And I love the way you described the watch situation. And I also love how you mentioned that there is something physically going on in the body, because I think a lot of the times people will think, oh, it, my doctor's just saying it's all in my head. But they're not saying it's all in your head. They're saying that your head and your gut are connected. There's a very big difference between those two statements. And, you know, I think that's a really important distinction. It absolutely is there. We hear that when we talk to patients all the time, this, this concept of it being all in your head. And, and that really was, physicians were saying that, especially 10 or 15 years ago. I'd like to think, you know, we've all evolved, medicine has evolved, and now we have this, um, this higher understanding that it's not uh, it's not all in your head, without a doubt. There is something at that disconnect between the two systems that aren't speaking well to each other. Sure. And you also mentioned this interplay between there's a, there's an immune component to it, right? We have that gut-associated lymphatic tissue. So if somebody has, you know, say pathogens in their gut or dysbiosis, or they have food sensitivities that they're consuming a lot of these foods, you know, there is a component there that those foods or, or that immune dysregulation can be sending those signals to the brain as a communication, but that's a, that's a survival mechanism, right? That's a notification the same way as your smartphone is notifying you, your body's letting you know something's going on and, you know, best not to be ignored. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's so much yet to be learned with, with what you're talking about there and exactly we know that's occurring, but we don't know what can we do about it in every case, you know. Um, but but yeah, absolutely, that is all true. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about IBS, um, how it's diagnosed. I know you've developed several drugs for IBS, so I'd love to learn about you know these drugs that you've helped develop and kind of the mechanism of action, and maybe we can then understand how this. Um, gut-directed hypnotherapy, for example, is a promising, you know, inclusion in someone's treatment plan. Yeah, you know, um, so from a diagnostic standpoint, um, and, and let me disclaim, I'm not a physician, right? So uh, uh, others might, might, you know, be able to explain this even, even better, but there's, there's a Rome 4 classification that have been developed um, that spell out certain criteria that need to be, to be met. Now, with IBS in particular, as we've kind of already discussed, there are no specific biomarkers. There's no one lab test that can be made um, and, and taken to, to confirm diagnosis. This really is a process of understanding the symptoms you've been incurring, uh, pain with some form of, of 
bowel dysfunction as well over an extended period of time um, on a routine basis. And when that occurs, and there are no other reasons for that to have occurred um, or, or causing those symptoms, then a formal diagnosis of IBS is made. Yeah. So when somebody looks up the, the diagnosis, they're like, this seems super vague. You know, <laughs> it's, you've got bloating and yeah, it's like, yeah, I've got all those symptoms. And so it's hard to make that distinction, but um, you know, they do have that Rome criteria that is, is more specific and allows the physician to, to make that proper diagnosis. I work with a lot of patients who have, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, for example, and that's a population where, you know, I'm sure you've, you know, heard a lot about this, but, you know, a third of patients who have SIBO are often misdiagnosed with IBS, for example. So it's tough to make that, that diagnostic, um, you know, decision because there's a lot of overlap between that broad uh, list of symptoms and other conditions. And it's not easy as a physician to just go in there and start testing for everything and, you know, getting into even hormone balance and mental health, you know, it, I'm sure that's, that's very challenging. Yeah. And I, you know, I, it, I think the takeaway from a patient perspective, and we stress this in the conversation that we have is that because these symptoms of IBS can look like other con- symptoms of other conditions, whether it's SIBO or IBD or other things as well, it's really important that the patient continue talking to their physician, find a physician to get the proper diagnosis and don't just try things. I mean, depending on how serious it is, right? Um, Don't just try things at home, really get the diagnosis so that you can get the right therapy, whether it's, it's nutritional assistance and a diet or whether it's a prescription drug or an over the counter drug, but make sure you're using the right, Right therapy to match to the problem that you really do have. Mm-hmm. So I I didn't mention this yet, but I also struggled with really awful digestive issues my entire life. So you talk about visceral hypersensitivity. I mean, I even now still like I live in leggings, right? I've just I've got this nervous system that is hyperactive, and I've done a lot of you know work on on managing that and getting myself to a place where my life is much better, but you know, throughout that journey, I would say the biggest change that I saw was when I started keeping track of my symptoms and noting when things would get worse and when things would get better. And I hated doing it. You know, I hated tracking. I hated the idea of tracking and having to do something every day that felt monotonous. But I'll tell you, it then allowed me to make certain trends and be honest with myself and then bring that to my physician, my gastroenterologist and say, listen, these are the symptoms I'm having. You know, I've done some research, but I'm not the expert in X, Y, and Z. So, you know, that's when I made the biggest, you know, headway in in my progression of healing. So I would recommend that to anybody is to do that, that tracking or that journaling so that you can start to maybe pull in some of those connections and and not leave out things like sleep and hormone changes and mental health. And, you know, food is, is important, but it's not everything. You know, we forget about my father passed away, you know, six months ago, or, you know, there was a big event at work that was very stressful. You know, those things are absolutely correlated to these symptoms. So 
I think that that's a really valuable um, tool to have that is free. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is free outside of how difficult it is, right? Yeah, you have to put the work in, but agree completely. The more information you can can have to understand your situation, the, the more helpful it's going to be for your healthcare provider to, to help you work through it all and understand what seems to be triggers. And don't leave anything out. You're right. The, the, the work scenario, the, those, those, those events in our lives that we might not even uh, really understand are stressful, really do cause stress on the body. And that stress on the body can affect a lot of different things from sleep to GI problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you brought up a good point about, you know, the, the idea of stress and what that looks like. I even think of a recent time when my boyfriend and I, we went to go eat with a new couple that we'd never met um, from our church. And we sat down and I like wasn't really hungry. I didn't really want to eat because I was trying to converse with these people and I was excited and it was, you know, kind of nervous because you're trying to make a good impression. And so all of those things, and even though it was a positive experience, positive event, yeah, positive event, it still was. My nervous system was still alert, and it did impact my digestive system. So, yeah, not just negative, not just stressful events or things like that. It could just be excitement or um, you know control or whatever, whatever it may be. Right. Absolutely. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about, well, actually, let's talk a lot about gut-directed hypnotherapy. Um, first, what is it? What is gut-directed hypnotherapy? Yeah, so so gut direct, if, if you boil it down to its simplest, right? So gut-directed hypnotherapy is, is really a, an intervention or a technique that encourages focused attention and, and a deep state of, of relaxation um, for a patient, which then... Um, you know, really allows the mind to be more receptive to to some therapeutic messaging. Um, and it's these suggestions that really do help the hypervigilance that we've been talking about um, and allows the the reinterpretation of those signals that are coming up to the brain um, and and allows the brain to understand uh, this is normal. Um, and so it really is a way, of just taking the conscious world away for a short period of time um, and allowing that brain to, to kind of understand, again, to use the analogy, the stimulation that is coming from the wrist on from my watch is normal. So don't overreact, if you would. Um, mm. And that's what corrected hypnotherapy is. And, and um, you know, the, the data to date is usually, or the process, I should say, is um, to deliver a, a therapeutic uh, seven therapeutic messages or, or seven therapeutic sessions for over the course of uh, seven to twelve weeks for gut directed hypnotherapy. And each of those sessions typically are about thirty minutes in length. Okay. And is this something that you would do in an office of a practitioner? Is it specific to just using an app? Like, what are the parameters there? Yeah, you know, to date, um, and if you look back at the data and the literature, gut-directed hypnotherapy has been uh, shown effective since 1984. <laughs> so what are we talking, 30, almost 40 years now, we've known that this therapeutic approach can treat patients with IBS and, and help all their symptoms, by the way. Um, it helps not only the pain and the bloating, 
Um, but it nausea. affects the, the nausea, the, the constipation, the diarrhea, both, if you happen to have both. Um, it actually has also been shown to have an impact on potential anxiety, depression symptoms that, that can sometimes come along with um, patients with, with, with IBS. Um, so it's, it's really a, a, an amazing opportunity for patients, but it's currently only available from, from trained gastropsychologists, right? Where, where, where can you get this? Well, there's only about 200, 150 or 200 trained gastropsychologists across the United States most of which are located at key teaching institutions. So if you were to go to a major university like Northwestern University here in Chicago or Stanford or Harvard or UCLA, those GI departments all have gastropsychologists on staff in the integrated care along with nutritionists where they really treat holistically the entire patient population. But there are 30 million people who suffer from IBS and 200 therapists, that's about 150,000 patients per therapist. It just can't work out. Um, you, you know, and, that, and as a result, as you can imagine, there's about a six to 12 month wait list to get in to see those, um, those practitioners to try to get this course of therapy. So it's not often used because there are very few uh, trained therapists. And that's the whole idea behind MetaMe Health. And, and why we started the company to see if we could increase the accessibility of this type of a treatment to patients. Mm, that's incredible. Yeah, let's. I do want to dive into the app and how that works. Um, I, I would love to point out the, the research part that you brought up in terms of the use of this uh, gut-directed directed hypnotherapy and the reduction in these IBS-type symptoms Specifically, one of the research studies that I like, I think it was done by Monash or it was in the American Journal of Gastroenterology, where they they basically, um, you know, they looked at the effectiveness of gut directed directed hypnotherapy versus the low FODMAP diet. And they found that, you know, it was actually up to 72 percent um, effective in reduction of these IBS type symptoms. That's huge. 72 percent is huge. It is huge. I think, you know, if you go all the way back to eight, 1984, and the first study was done out of Manchester University, there, there may be 16 other randomized controlled trials, um, one of which that you mentioned, and they all are showing typically 60 to 70% patient um, impact, you know, a positive clinically meaningful impact on their symptoms. It doesn't eliminate all symptoms, right? But you're really having a significant reduction in the symptoms that you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So let's talk about MetaMe and how does this, I mean, how do you take that physician-led experience into an app and what does that look like for like walk a listener through it in terms of what they can expect and and should they use it the same way that it's that, you know, you said about 30 minute session or what, what you said where it's seven to 12 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Let me walk you through that and, and, and how we even were able to do, to take what they're doing in a clinic setting and, and put it into a digital therapeutic. So about 1994, um, there was Dr. Oliver Paulson out of University, North Carolina, who actually continued studying the use of gut directed hypnotherapy in the treatment of IBS. And what, what he did was he actually scripted out the therapeutic messages that should be delivered um, to the patients with IBS so that he could test them to see if they really did work on a routine basis. 
And sure enough, over time, he proved that to be the case. So we've partnered with Dr. Paulson to take his script. And these are the, this called the North Carolina Protocol. The North Carolina Protocol is what many of the gastropsychologists that I mentioned at Northwestern or UCLA, they're all using. Um, and, and so they're using the messages that Dr. Paulson had created. We took those messages and built it into our digital therapeutic. And what that now allows is the delivery of the gut-directed hypnotherapy via a video audio recording. So much like a Zoom meeting or uh, a telehealth session with a practitioner, except it's pre-recorded. Um, so that you can take each of these therapy sessions um, over the course of the 12 weeks when you need it. Um, there are some limitations and, and requirements based on the FDA approval, but still, you know, whether you wanted to have your therapy session at, at three in the afternoon or three in the morning, it's available to you, you know, and you don't have to leave your home. You can and, and travel in to see your therapist. You can just do it right here uh, at the comfort of your home. That's incredible. So what does that look like after that, you know, 12 week mark per se, like when they go through those sessions, I mean, you said these are scripted messages. So after that, is this something that you can just continue to revisit or are these scripts that you then are supposed to kind of adopt on your own and create more of like a meditation type of environment? Like, what does that look like for continuation? Yeah, there's a couple of ways to think about it. So interestingly, um, uh, very positively from a patient perspective, um, the data around gut-directed hypnotherapy shows that after you've taken the seven therapy sessions and you're all done with it, the positive effect that you experience can last up to five years. That's the longest study that I'm aware of. Wow. Uh, multiple studies looking at one year after therapy, coming back to patients and saying, let's assess your IBS symptoms. And you're still seeing 50, 60, 70% of the patients having positive relief from their IBS symptoms. Um, so you basically saying you don't need to do what maybe you are suggesting to do uh, to continue to use the program. And in fact, in our clinical study, which we ran, we tested that same thing. After the 12 weeks of therapy, we had no interaction with the patients at all in the study, went back to them at six and 12 months, reassessed their symptoms, Sure enough, 55% of the patients were still experiencing a positive benefit from having taken the gut-directed hypnotherapy session a year ago. Um, mm. So there really is no need. Now, should you want to or should you need to, um, you know, if you had a, a stressor in your life that the symptoms relapsed and they kind of came back, um, from our, you can just get another prescription from your physician and take a whole other course of therapy again. Wow. Now... So this is, you need a prescription from a physician for this. Okay. Okay. And then when you do this, um, the question that I, that I'm curious about is the mechanism of action, because I'm a, I'm a science person. So I'm like, okay, so is it this, this idea of you're basically retraining? Are we, are we working on like vagus nerve tone, vagal tone? Are we just kind of like, again, it seemed like that exposure and just making that connection of this is normal type of thing. Like what's actually going on that's creates, creating this long lasting effect. And then my second question, hopefully it's not too much, but was there any other intervention involved with that hypnotherapy or was it just the hypnotherapy alone that created that long lasting change? 
Yeah, to, your first one is much more difficult to answer. Uh, <laughs> I figured. I figured. <laughs> and the truth is, we don't know. Um, I mean, this is a part of science that that we are continuing to try to study and understand. There are some there are some theories that the you know the gut directed hypnotherapy is acting on both systems. Um, it's helping the enteric nervous system and that hypervigilance kind of calm down. At the same time, there's some evidence through functional MRI studies that show there is a change in the brain, in, in the way the brain reacts to signals of, of pain from the gut after a course of, of gut-directed hypnotherapy. So we know something is happening in both areas, but exactly what's driving the ultimate positive effect is, is still one of those science unknowns and, and not uncommon in terms of therapies, drug therapies in particular. We know it works. We're not exactly sure exactly how or why it's working, but we know it's working. Well, it's, it's um, funny it's funny that you say that. Um, you keep going. Sorry, I'll, I'll not interrupt you. Oh, no, no, no that's okay, because I actually forgot the second part of the question. <laughs> okay, so I will comment on that then, because it's funny that you said that because even now, like, you know, we've had SSRIs in the market for years, right? But now we're understanding more about the mechanism of action. And, oh, it might not actually be because of increasing serotonin. It might actually be related to, you know, I forget forget the exact study I posted on LinkedIn a few months ago. But um, that's very interesting. And, you know, I, I, I'm curious, but that doesn't mean that I would disregard a treatment that works, right? So- the second question was, was there any other intervention in addition to the hypnotherapy that could have led to the outcome of the, those results? Or was it, were, did they just use gut-directed hypnotherapy? Yeah, great question. Yes. And, and it's the simple answer, it, it literally was just gut-directed hypnotherapy. You know, in, in our study in particular, we, we had a 362-patient study, um, just under 20%, about 18% of the subjects that came in, the patients that came in were on drug therapy for the treatment of their IBS, but they were still suffering, right? So this was added on to it. The uh, the other 80% were coming in not on drug therapy, did not add drug therapy, just had the gut-directed hypnotherapy. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So I guess my only disappointment is that you need a prescription to get this from your doctor. I want this to be accessible to everyone. Do you see a day when that is possible? Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. That would be up to the FDA, I guess, right? Um, but but I, I think there are two important things to to think about. And, and I think good reasons why... Um, a therapy like this is a prescription-based product. The first relates to what we talked about a little bit earlier, that um, the symptoms of IBS can mimic other, believe it or not, more serious conditions. And delaying treatment for those more serious conditions is in itself dangerous to the patient. So to have therapeutic programs like this that have been proven and claimed to treat the disease, um, it's important from the FDA's perspective to protect patients um, and ensure that it's used by the right patient at the right time. So I I think that alone is very important and, and good enough reason, if you would, 
to ensure that this is controlled um, from, a, from a regulatory perspective. The other one is gut-directed hypnotherapy or any hypnotherapy itself, there are patient populations where it should not be used. Um, patients with um, dissociative disorder or significant PTSD or even serious depression, um, particularly suicidal ideation along with their depression, um, those patients should not go on to a course of, of hypnotherapy without first getting the underlying mental health under control with a professional. Those really need to be taken care of. And again, if this is just out in the public domain, it, that is where you now could even start to cause harm in those particular patients. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I see how that's really protecting the patient there. And that's a beautiful and very important thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just, I'm very excited about this. I think it's great that it's accessible to patients, assuming they do have insurance and a physician who will prescribe this if they're appropriate um, candidates for it. Now, if you don't have a doctor who even knows about it, like, could you bring this to your gastroenterologist and say, Hey, I, you know, heard about this. Do you think I'd be a good candidate? Is that, is that a good way to approach it with your doctor? It's absolutely a great way, Aaron. And in fact, we're, you know, we're just in the process of beginning our commercialization efforts and preparing all those types of materials. Um, But we've done in along the way, we've talked to a significant number of physicians and gastroenterologists. They understand what gut directed hypnotherapy is. They understand those 16 randomized controlled trials. What they, what they don't have is access to to recommend you to go see anyone. And so even if they don't know about Regulora, the brand new prescription digital therapeutic that can be used, when as soon as they see it and and under take a look at it, they immediately get it. And they say, oh my gosh, you I can now provide you this therapy that I know works and allow you to take it at home with really risk-free, right? No drug-drug interactions. <laughs> Um, no long-term side effects, anything like that, or no short-term side effects for that matter either. Um, the, the, uh, the typical response is I'd absolutely prescribe this to my patient. So I think if patients took the information to their physician, they, they would uh, probably have a very positive response um, and, and easily get a prescription written. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you mentioned the insurance standpoint, you know, whether you have insurance um, or no insurance. Um, you know, it, it takes a while for insurance companies to catch up to new therapies like this and to add it to their formularies and to reimburse for it. We understand that. I've been through that for the past 30 years when we when we bring out drugs to the market. We've actually got a program in place that we charge no more than $75 for the full course of therapy for patients. So if they were to get it, again, whether they have insurance or no insurance, they're going to pay no more than $75 for all 12 weeks of therapy. Which when I think, I mean, I'm in just regular therapy, have been most of my life. I mean, it's just $150 per session minimum. Exactly. Yeah. You're for seven therapy sessions of this. If you were to see a a therapist, you're probably going to pay somewhere north of 750, maybe $1,200 easy for it. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're making it available just for $75 uh, out of pocket right now. That's great. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's affordable. You know, the, the biggest thing would be, you know, you, the patient does have to take that responsibility and commit to it, which 
I do believe, you know, if you've got IBS and you've got these symptoms, I mean, you are trying to do anything you can. So I can't imagine compliance would be an issue, you know, in terms of, you know, I don't know if you've seen any issues. No, with compliance. no we do. I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad you mentioned it. You know, and I think about what, how you described your, your, your tracking of, of symptoms for weeks and months and how difficult it was. And, and, and it is hard. It is very, we're all patients, right. <laughs> of something. Um, and, and taking therapy can sometimes be hard. We've made this as simple as we can. And we sometimes refer to it as it's, it's the easy button therapy. And it's really no more complicated than watching a Netflix movie. If you've ever sat down and pushed the play button, that is all you have to do here. Um, sure. Set aside 30 minutes every other week for 12 weeks to press a play button, sit back and, and essentially be relaxed for mm -hmm. the next week of your life. That is all you have to do. And in fact, we have seen 90% adherence to therapy. So wow. in our study, and in the real world, patients using the product today, 90% of the therapy sessions are being taken. Amazing. The, the thing that I would, would make a distinction about between the you know, idea of this tracking and this app that is the gut-directed hypnotherapy is this concept of belief, right? The belief that is going to help. I think that would be the only barrier I would foresee is someone saying, this isn't going to help me, you know, well, I'm not going to do this. Whereas like the tracking for me, I was like, is this really going to be the answer, right? You've, you've done so many different things. So that's why I have you here today too, is to present the research and the success that you've had with this practice and to know that it dates all the way back to the 1980s, you said? Yeah. So there you go. I mean, you know, there, there's, um, you, do we know the exact mechanism? No, but also keep in mind, we don't necessarily know the exact mechanism for SSRIs, which are life-saving, you know, antidepressant medications that have been on the market for way longer than this hypnotherapy has. So just a message to the listener to, you know, be encouraged by that and, you know, see this as an opportunity to, to try something that could really work. Yeah. You're, you're, um, your be your belief in the concept of belief is spot on. And whether, you know, you relate that to the use of a gut-directed hypnotherapy app like Regulora, or honestly, even just a drug, it's been shown study after study that not only your belief, but believe it or not, it's actually been shown your physician's belief in the therapy they are prescribing to you can influence the effectiveness of that therapy, which is crazy hard to really comprehend, but it's been shown multiple times to have an impact. Mm, I believe, I, I believe <laughs> without, without <laughs> finding a better way to say that. Yeah. I mean, it's, right. it's that encouragement, that team, right. You need to feel supported in any sort of journey that you're going on in the health realm and, and just having that, you know, expert who's going to be there and say, you know, let's give this a try. I think this is really going to work for you. You know, if they're, if they're going to sit there, you know, if you're starting a startup, right. And you, the CEO says to you, I don't think this is going to work, but let's give it a try. Like, you're not going to go into that excited or, you know, whatever you, you have to have that uh, mentality going into it, not a mentality of like, everything's going to be perfect and zero symptoms ever, but just, you know, this is going to help me in some way. And maybe a I don't realistic see it right opportunity. Now. Yeah. Yes. Yep.
Absolutely. Well, so great. I, I really appreciate you sharing all this information with us. I'm very excited about, is it Regulara? Is that how you pronounce Regulara. it? Regulara. Regulara. Yep. Yeah. So really great. I'm going to start, you know, definitely speaking to my clients about this a lot more and having them bring this to their physicians as a tool that they can use. And, and hopefully people will share this with others. Awesome. We would, we would love that. We, um, you know, we're here and, and we, we, you know, Dan, like I said, Danny's a patient, right. And, and I've been in this space and in fact, over, I think it is about half of the team members here at MetaMe Health are patients, you know, um, for, of IBS in particular. Um, and, and we want to make this as accessible as possible to treat as many of the patients, appropriate patients, you know, across the, the U.S. that are suffer, continue to suffer from IBS. So, yeah, please share the, help us share the word. I absolutely will. So, Tim, the most important question of the episode is, what is your favorite childhood memory with food? <laughs> That's a tough question. I don't, people who know me, Aaron, know that, I don't have a memory. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's probably uh, the best response I've heard yet, actually. <laughs> I have an absolute horrid memory. And now if you're going to make me struggle to even tie it to food as a child, it's I can't even come up with anything. It is so beyond me. <laughs> a holiday, a, a dessert. It's a really... It's a really, really great question. Um, so the only thing that does come to mind is like many people, maybe, um, on your birthday, you got to choose what the family had to eat. I would always choose spaghetti. To, and still to this day, it is, it is spaghetti as my birthday, my birthday meal. I love that. Well, my 30th birthday is actually coming up in two weeks. So I don't know that spaghetti would be on the top of my list. I'm a big taco person, but I can see why spaghetti would never go out of style because, you know, it's it'll never be something that I don't like personally. I, exactly. I love it. That's great. Well, I'm what glad a, that you shared that with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim. Well, it was so great having you on today. I really appreciate you taking the time and I'll be sure to link all the information about, you know, meta me in the, in the show notes, if any, anybody wants to check it out. Well, we greatly appreciate it. Love being here. Thanks, Aaron. All right. Have a great rest of your day, Tim. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me or applying for my next group coaching program starting in the new year, you can go to nutritionrewired.com where you can also find my gut-friendly cookbooks. Thanks again for tuning in and as always, don't forget to share the health.